Hey, hey guys, it's Phil Granger, uh, better known as the sheriff from Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I'm I'm grateful to be on the Don't Go Out There podcast because I got lots of great stories about my good friend Bill Paxton, some about James Cameron, some about uh, some of the other films that I've been part of and wants to come out with. It's been a pleasure and. Uh, don't forget to tune in to Don't Go Out There podcast. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There horror movie podcast welcome back everybody to the don't go out there horror movie review podcast just want to thank all our fans and listeners i really appreciate all the support and you know we just reviewed the movie uh tucker and dale versus evil for our horror comedy month and we have the great privilege of having the sheriff philip granger joining us we are excited we are excited to be joined today by an absolute legend of the business an actor producer and director with hundreds of credits to his name that spanned nearly four decades and known for his roles in Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, Ghost Wars, and most recently, Batwoman. Mr. Philip Granger, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today, man? Good, good. I'm doing great. So nice to see you guys. Hey, but nice to see you too, man. Why are you not tanned? <laughs> hey, we've it's been like, in quarantine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're in quarantine, you stuck inside? Oh, well, there you go. That explains it. It's hey, like it's like the plumber has got a leaky sink at the house. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you know, we have beaches all around us, but I stay inside most of the time. <laughs> just, I know, man. It's tricky times, man. It I is. But Mr. Granger, we like to kick off all of our interviews. Just what got you into acting, man? Well, I was a kid. You know what? I grew up in Vancouver. I grew up in British Columbia, Canada. And um, I, my family had a sailboat that we had in Maple Bay. And um, a film crew came to my town. It was a movie called Five Easy Pieces. And I was like a little kid. So I got to walk around all the sets. And I talked to different people, you know. And so I talked to crew members. And I go, what do you do? And they go, well, I build the sets. I go, so what's the set? That's the world. You know, that's the buildings and stuff. What do you do? Oh, I do the wardrobe. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. What do you do? Oh, I do the food. I was like, oh, man, that's great. And then I walk up to this other guy. I go, what do you do? And he goes, I'm an actor, kid. An actor? They pay you for that? And he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was Jack Nicholson. Oh, wow. Right? <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God. That stuck with me. And I was like, they pay you for acting. And uh, I was always, my grandmother used to take me to theater all the time. So she'd take me to these crazy pantos. They're, they're like pirate plays or, you know, where everybody's singing and having a great time. And so, you know, she kind of got my brain interested in the fact that actors did that. And then when I, by chance, met Jack Nicholson and asked him what he did, and he said, I'm an actor, kid. And, and I asked him if he got paid for it. So when he said it, I was like, hell, that's, that's for me. And then over, you know, there wasn't really 
a lot of acting in Canada, so I ended up moving to New York and then to California. I did my training in New York, and then I worked a long time to become a good actor, and I started working in the theater. And then uh, from theater, I got an agent in Los Angeles to start auditioning for movies and stuff, and did that. And then, yeah, kind of led, one thing led in front to the next. Here's a cool fact for you. The year that Jack Nicholson and Michael Douglas were uh, up for Oscars, Wall Street and Ironweed, I was invited because I was doing a big play in Los Angeles. And so I was invited to an Oscar party where those guys were. Wow. And I ended up being seated at their table. And Bob Rafelson, the director of Five Easy Pieces, come in. Jack Nicholson and a, a slew of other uh, great actors, uh, Danny DeVito and others, and uh, and I ended up sitting at their table. So I'm like, when I was a little kid, yeah, no, whatever. But the coolest part of that story was I was sitting at the table. Jack Nicholson had lost to Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas came in with his wife, and he's carrying the Oscar. And Jack stands up and he goes, "Hey." You know who that really belongs to now, don't you, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, holy shit, man, that was great. That's so awesome. that kind of, yeah, it's kind of full full circle, you know. And then, so I ended up doing lots of theater. I fell in love with acting, and um, and it's been my life. It's been all I've done for forever. I mean, uh, since I, you know, I always didn't make money at it. I did it for free. I did it any chance, anywhere I could and anyhow I could. And that's kind of what got me into it. Well, speaking of that and those uh, early roles that you had, I mean, uh, including that first role on Chips. And you mentioned uh, you were you know, part of the opening sequence for uh, John Carpenter's Escape from New York. I mean, can you talk a little bit about those? Well, yeah. I mean, that was by chance. Um, I was working at New World Pictures, which was Roger Corman's film company, probably know him and them james cameron jim cameron the famous james cameron for avatar and everything he was building models and then he very quickly became uh art director second unit director like everything the guy could do everything and um so john carpenter was doing escape from new york and they needed the opening sequence where where the prison guards walking over the top of the prison so Jim painted a matte painting, and we went out to the Sepulveda Dam in California and put the matte painting up, and he got, had, a, I think it was old Mitchell 35 mil camera. He says, okay, Phil, get up there. You, you had the gun. Walk across the top and look down like you're looking for some bad guys. That was about it. But, yeah, it was a pretty small thing. But I felt like it hit the jackpot because it was just fun to do that. And then uh, Jim, you know, I I did a movie called Reckless with Bill Paxton, who became my dearest friend. Um, and um, so we did Reckless together. And I don't know why I'm segueing into Bill. What does it have to do with this? I guess it has to do with one of my first movies, which was Reckless, which was shortly after Chips. The, yeah, so... Anyway, did that make sense to you boys? 
<laughs> yes, sir. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Philip, I know you've got to have some really good stories, especially about some early horrors. Is there any you'd like to share with us real quick? Well, you know, I actually haven't done a lot of horror films. I mean, I, I did Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Um, I did. I have one recently called AMI. It's uh, it's about artificial intelligence that was pretty popular on Netflix. Um, and the one coming out, I can tell you about behind the scenes ones. So when when I was in New World Pictures, we did everything there from build uh, sets and stunts and 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 everything else. So um, a movie you might know called Battle Beyond the Stars. Do you remember that film? It's I've kind heard of, of it. one with Jimmy Murakami. We all, Bill Paxton and myself and all us guys, we we just got in and Jim Cameron and all those guys, just uh, Band of Brothers making these crazy movies. So, but as far as horror films, I haven't done a ton of horror films. I've done uh, lots of films, of course, but I, as far as maybe Ghost Wars would be. Do you know that show, Ghost Wars, for Netflix? Really with Vincent D'Onofrio and uh, Meatloaf and um, and uh, a bunch of really crazy great actors, there were some pretty amazing like horror kind of sequences in that. Kim Coates was in that as well. Do you know him from Sons of Anarchy? Yes. Anyway, Ghost Wars is the brainchild of this amazing uh, exec producer named Simon Barry. He has a show called Warrior Nun that's now on Netflix. And him and um, Dennis Heaton, who is a big horror guy, created this show about a small town in Alaska where um, it gets isolated and all these weird paranormal things happen all the time. And you have to watch it because it's if you like horror and sci-fi, it's a fantastic show. You never know what's going to happen next. It's funny and it's scary and it's got a great cast in it. And a really uh, ingenious exec producer created it, Simon Barry. He just he's got this crazy mind that's uh, always great to be part of anything he does. Absolutely, and I mean, hey, we can't talk to you without talking about the uh, Gemini Award back in the early '90s that you won. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and you know the role that you won that with? Yeah, I played. Uh, it was basically um, it was a show that I had done for a couple of seasons. And um, they decided to make my character HIV-infected character. Now, what was really great about this character was he was not gay, he was not promiscuous, he was not an IV needle user, he was a social worker that worked with a bunch of kids. And one of the kids that he was trying to help out stabs him in the face with a hypodermic needle. Then he's got to go and you know, get tested and finds out that he's HIV positive. So it was a really cool opportunity to serve the idea that, you know, HIV is just something that people, they, it's a, it's an ailment, you know, right. get sick. And so it gave a, a regular Joe kind of face to the whole thing. And the, the Gemini Awards really liked my performance. And so I got to win it. That's awesome, awesome man. Pretty hey, good Vince. part, you know. Some dandy of a part, right? Yeah. No big deal. Philip, we just, uh, last week was my birthday, and we did a birthday bonus, and we reviewed a movie called Frailty, starring your friend, Bill Paxton. 
Yeah. Uh, I absolutely love that movie. Um, wow. And I just want to ask you, just can you talk a little bit about being friends with Bill Paxton, your relationship? I mean, he's such an icon and not just horror, but just film in general. Well, I met Bill when we were really young. Like I said, we did this movie called Reckless together. And um, he had um, made a short film called Fish Heads that were, had been chosen to be on Saturday Night Live. So he said, yeah, man, come over to my apartment. You know, we're going to be – they're screening Saturday Night Live tonight. I got my fish heads on. And so I just loved him because he was so enthusiastic and so sincere and so authentic um, that we really became best friends. So that night I said, well, it's called Fish Head. So I go down to the pier. Everybody's catching fish. I said, would you mind if I buy your fish heads off you? So I, <laughs> I had everybody cut their fish heads off their fish. And I made a plate of hors d'oeuvres with just fish heads. It stuck it sticks in them, you know, and, 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 and brought that to the party. Right, <laughs> so I had a plate of fish head hors d'oeuvres for the fish head party. So you know, after that, we we just we just really liked each other. We actually lived two blocks away from each other, and, and I lived in Venice Beach, and he lived in Santa Monica. But there's a a, a road, an avenue called Rose Avenue, separates everything, and we were about two and a half blocks away from each other. So we spent a lot of time together, and he. Um, he was uh, such a creative, unique person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, let me see what would be great stories to tell you. Um, Billy, Bill, okay, I could tell you a story about when, no one would know this story, but it's pretty amazing. Uh, when Bill came back from Aliens, he shot, I actually introduced them to each other. So I knew Jim first, and then I met Bill on the movie. And then I got Bill a, a job with me at New World Pictures, and we are building sets together. That's how long ago. And uh, so he went to do Aliens in um, in London, and it was a hell of an experience, you know. And, you know, he kind of got beat up on that movie. So he comes back, and he's like, oh, God, Philly, come over. Come over. i got to talk to you. So I go over his place, and he has, like, pamphlets for the French Foreign Legion all over the floor of his apartment, right? <laughs> Everywhere. He goes, there's Mozambique's a hot spot. And then we got this. I go, what are you talking about? He says, I'm joining the I'm joining the French Foreign I'm gonna join Phil. I'm out. Right? I go, what are you talking about? He's like, no. He said, what do you got shit? Mozambique's hot or maybe this place. So funny, right? So the next day I go back over. I go, what's right? Uh, he, 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 I go, what's going on? He goes, oh, they won't take me. I'm too old. Oh man. <laughs> but here's some, here's some cool stuff. Bill loved. Bill was a Renaissance man, right? Uh, he had a lot of knowledge about many things: poetry, painting, um, architecture. Uh, he had an extreme fondness for Buster Keaton. Matter of fact, he's buried neck very close to Buster Keaton. Um, he, before auditions, he used to go up to Buster's grave and sit there and, and kind of mull it over, you know, um, and, and talk about stuff and talk about life. And, and he, um, always had these great goals. But one of my favorite stories was, um, Billy, they were going to tear down the ambassador hotel 
in Los Angeles. He said, let's go down and see the David Hockney pool before they tear it down. I'm like, that sounds cool. So we get in the car, we drive down there, we go see the David Hockney pool. We're all like, okay, sort of cool. And then he said, follow me. And he takes me underground to the Ambassador Hotel. He takes me through the kitchen and he takes me onto the stage. And he said, do you know where you are right now? I go, no. It's a big empty cavern. He says, you're standing in the spot that Bobby Kennedy was shot. And sure enough, he took me the path of, uh, of, of Sirhan Sirhan, where, and I was standing in the spot that Bobby Kennedy was shot. And wow. that's, the kind of, that's the kind of things that, Bill, you'd end up doing with Bill, you know. Um, we'd always, whenever we'd get together, we'd go for long walks or we'd go for a swim in the ocean. Uh, and he he would um, he was constantly creating, you know. He was constantly creating. He had a band called Martini Ranch. Do you know that? Have you ever heard of Martini Ranch? I have not. Let's check it out. Martini Ranch. He's got a they've got a song on there called "How Can the Laboring Man Find Time for Self Culture." Okay. And the one James Cameron, uh, we made a music video with Bill called Reach that James Cameron actually directed. And uh, we went out to the middle of the desert, and uh, they didn't have drones then, so Jim's brother, Mike, brought a, uh, what do you call it, so like a hand glider with a motor on it. And that's how they got the shot of Bill riding the motorcycle down the desert road, right? But as Jim leaned out on the on the ultralight craft, the thing would tip over, so he, they land and go, hey, Phil, get on the other side. When I say lean out, lean out, I'm like, okay. It's crazy, right? We all could have died. So he'd go, okay, now, and I'd lean out this way, and he'd be out there with the camera. We got the shot. That's, you know, that's just young people in love with making movies, right? Right. And, uh, and so I guess the, the coolest part for anyone thinking about making films now you can do that sort of, you can do that even with greater freedom because when we did that sort of stuff, we had to buy 35 millimeter film short stock, you know, which was really expensive and doing right. all that. But the thing that I enjoyed about all those, Bill and Jim and, and Bob and Danny and all the people that worked around there, it was like they all had this kind of can do attitude. They had a vision of something and then they just said, let's go do it. And no matter what, if you had to lean outside the ultralight to get that aerial shot, that's what you did. It's pretty awesome, right? Absolutely. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, so um, what else can I tell you about Bill? Um, Bill was a very gentle person. He was, uh, we had a victory garden together. Um, we they have this little plot in Santa Monica, it's still there. It's a garden that they had during the war, and he had to apply for it. And, you know, we said, well, let's apply for it. We got it. So then, like, Bill's like, okay, we're getting up at 6 in the morning, man. We're going to start digging on the garden. I'm like, really? And so, yeah, we're out there at 6 in the morning. I said, can we do this at 9? And he's like, no, man, we got to get done, you know. So we're out there a little plot of dirt growing, like, tomatoes and whatever, you know. But that was, that was Billy. And, um... I'll tell you a story how he met his wife, which is a beautiful story. If you want to know that one. Absolutely. Oh, sure. yes. That'd be cool. So Billy was doing a movie called Lords of Discipline in London, and he saw this girl 
and he, he she got on the bus and he chased the bus down and he and he got on the bus and he, he said who are you you know and she said I'm Louise and he wrote her home and they said hey you know can you come and be my you know girlfriend in the movie and the thing and then they hung out over there and then he comes back from London he goes Phil, I met the girl I'm going to marry. Oh, wow. I was like, I go, he goes, yeah, she's coming over. And so she came over from London, and he had all his friends, his really close friends, you know, lined up to meet her, you know, poor thing. You know, we're all, like, going to meet this girl, Louise. And um, and they, they married, and they had two children, and they built a great life together, and... Uh, and it's a pretty beautiful romantic story. Can you imagine seeing a girl and then chasing her down and like getting on the? I mean, who does that? It's right. so beautiful, right? It Bill just, Paxton does that. Did <laughs> you do that? No, Bill Paxton does. Bill Paxton like does that. <laughs> exactly. You guys should, if you can, if you're big fans of Bill, he made a lot of short films earlier, and uh, they're really really cool. Um, he made some with Rocky Shank. Uh, he made some music, Martini Ranch, and um, when he went to the bottom of the ocean with uh, Jim Cameron, he wrote a book, and he illustrated it, you know. Um, wow. yeah, he did all kinds of crazy stuff. I got that somewhere here. He, he gave me a copy of it. But, yeah, so there's my Bill Paxton story. How's that? That's pretty good, huh? That's yeah, awesome, we, man. We, we really appreciate you sharing that with us for sure. Yeah, he's an extraordinary person for sure. Yeah, Frailty was a hell of a movie too, huh? Oh, I love I was, it. I love that scene when they're he's under the car and he's he's seeing like, you know, what is it, Gabriel? This Gabriel that I haven't seen it for a long time. But that sequence was great. He's talking to his kids, you know. <laughs> Jesus, he loved that movie. Yeah, I loved that sequence because it showed him under the car, and then he just flashed to the uh, just the car lot, and you're just it's like elevator music, like all that's going on under the car, and you don't know it. I, I, yeah, I do love that scene too. Yeah, he he just another thing. He'd been making films since he was a little kid, huh? Uh, one one of my favorite little shorts. Just to share one more thing about Bill, because I think it's interesting to people to know. He uh, made a kind of a, he was a Buster Keaton fan, so he. Uh, made a thing where he dove into the river in Fort Worth, Texas with his friend Tom Huckabee filming. And he's apparently he was drowning. It's like one of those damsel in distress movies where he's going to save her, pull her off the railway track kind of thing. He's right. in the river. He's drowning. He's like, and he's just, keep filming, keep filming, you know. Tommy, said, okay. He's like drowning. And they, yeah, that's Billy. Mm -hmm. Well, we, we do appreciate those stories for sure, and I know our audience uh, I'm sure does too. Um, you know, kind of kind of moving on a little bit with your career. I mean, you're you're in a film on Netflix called uh, AMI. Um, you know that that's that's pretty uh, from what I was looking at with that. That, that was I could definitely uh, in the horror genre for sure. Can you talk a little bit about that and your role as Greg in that movie. Yeah, it's um it's a film about artificial intelligence and. This girl, my daughter, in the film, her mother dies. We're estranged. I'm like this playboy dad in it, you know, <laughs> swinging it, you know, like. So I have to take care of the kid now, and uh, and 
So what happens is she gets this phone gifted to her by her mother, and it takes on the personality of her mother and starts telling her what to do. So it gets into all the details of her life, and then you know it starts manipulating the 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 phone. Her mother's voice starts manipulating everything she does, and then it goes terribly wrong for the men in her life. Also, I can say, me being the but Playboy Dad, you can only imagine what happens to maids. It's, it's not pretty. It's not pretty, but, you know. I can tell you, if you ever watch it, I, I said to her just before the end of my scene, I said, steal my watch before you do the thing and wear it for the rest of the movie. It just shows how fucking bad that is oh no you're fine you know you you, you can say anything you want to we're we're rated explicit so you're good to go (laughs) you never know so uh yeah so it's it's uh it's kind of uh it's a movie about how artificial intelligence facebook knows every detail of your life and then they can they can start telling you stuff that that it knows about you that kind of tweaks your brain for example you know if you look up one thing, all of a sudden a thousand things are coming at you. The same thing. That's what the film is basically based on. And it's a, it's my my wife loved it because it's a total chick revenge movie. You know, <laughs> she's like, yeah, give it to them. You know, to all the males in the thing, they're gonna get their due because they're all kind of bad. All the dudes are bad. And so she's like, you know, you gotta pay. And she makes us pay. So. So that's the girl, and she she was pretty fantastic, too. Oh, that's awesome, man. Hey, Woodland came out in 2018 to good reviews on IMDb. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Woodland was one of my favorite films uh, that I've done recently. Um, it actually just came out this year. It's with Richard Harmon from The 100. Do you know him? No, I don't, actually. Richard, there's a show called The 100. It's really popular. Yeah, He's I've definitely heard of the show. Yeah, he looks like Montgomery Clift. So we um, did this film called Woodland that takes place in a remote part of northern British Columbia. And I'm the, I play this uh, hermit uh, guy who runs college. And we, I need an extra hired hand to come help us shut down for the winter. And so this kid sent to work with me. But he's a total freaking drug addict mess. And in the story, I'm there because I'd lost my son at sea. And I just can't deal with the world. And this boy that comes to to help me reminds me of my son. And it's sort of a story that just trying to like sort out sort out um, sort out his problems. And in the same time kind of uncover what I've been hiding all these years. And it's a sci-fi too. It's there's um what happens is he's developing these photos that also show the future. So he's it looks like it's a psychedelic thing. And at the end of the movie you go, all that stuff that he was starting to see in his images actually was coming true. And in one of the images, he sees something happen to me, and he tries to warn me, and I think he's crazy because he's already tried to stab me. He's already, you know, all this stuff. Right. And um, and then we go through a hurricane together, 
I can't tell you the end of the movie because in, it won't be good for you. But yeah, don't, yeah, we got don't, some girls together, and uh, it's a pretty powerful film. It's got some pretty good reviews, and, and yeah, I really enjoyed doing it. I particularly like this young actor, Richard Harmon, because he's one of the most generous uh, young actors I've ever worked with. And so we were both up for best, uh, I was up best for best supporting actor, and he was up for best actor. And the kid writes, it's called the Leo Awards, they're kind of like Canadian film awards. And he writes Leo for Phil on his knuckles. How cool is that? That is that's awesome. <laughs> Richard Harmon. I mean, I have a picture of it in my office. I was like, I look at it. I was like, who does that? Everybody should do that. You know, <laughs> just like pick everybody up. It's pretty great. That is incredible. Well, I can't let you go without talking a little bit about uh, Tucker and Dale. So uh, you, you played the sheriff in that, of course. Uh, you had an awesome, an awesome death. <laughs> yeah. You needed. You should have just walked it off. Just walked it off. But uh, yeah, if yeah. you don't mind, could you talk a little bit about that experience? Sure. Um, so, hmm, it's such a special experience. You know, all those actors were starting out except for Tyler Labine and Alan Tudyk. And, um, you know, it was a perfect script. You know that script? There's nothing improvised in that script. It's pretty much pretty much word for word, which is pretty pretty amazing. I, I think Alan and, and Tyler may have improvised that stuff when I went out the door a little bit, but not a ton. And shot for shot, every frame, every shot, I think... Uh, Eli had said he missed one shot out of his whole out of the whole film. So everything that he planned was done, and they did it. Um, they did it really fast. And uh, so, what was great about that movie? Shooting in Alberta, you know, working with a great director, great group of young actors, and just knew, knew it was funny. Right. You know, I knew it's like when I did that bit with like, you know, you better get your tail light fixed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, I'll tell you a secret. I uh, I made the choice to have Tyler Labine be my illegitimate son, and he did. He never knew that I was his dad. So you know what I'm like. Uh, uh, you got a broken tail light. You better get that. You better not go up there. You know. Nothing but pain and suffering out there. You know, I'm, I'm warning my kid. I told you not to come up here, but you just wouldn't listen, would you? Now it makes sense, right? It's like, why is it so personal to him? That's what made it so funny. And then, you know, well, I don't know. You know, when I look at the board, do it look like serial killers? Well, oh, I don't know. Looks can be deceiving. But I am out the door, right? <laughs> that on the door bit was pretty great. Um, so I made that choice because uh, I felt, you know, it just is odd enough and it makes you really hook into it. Like if you're talking to your kid and you're giving him shit, you right. know, I told you not to come up here. You'd be lucky to get that, you know. Definitely. You'd be lucky to get that. Yeah, so that was fun. And I spent a lot of time in Alan Tiddick. Because Alan and I were, Alan's a lot younger than I am, but 
we were the we were the old veterans on that. So we uh, we took a drive up to uh, Banff uh, to the mountain ski area and drove around and and spent a lot of time talking about life and and stuff and and that was really nice to get to know him. He's a pretty cool guy. My sons were starting to skateboard at that time. I was like, no, no, skate, no, that's gonna be bad, you know. And I was like, hey man, I skateboard, just take it easy, you know. I wasn't sure about it, just because I was just thinking everybody smoked pot and skated, and they ended up like being 30 and they're skating still and smoking pot. And I was like, oh my god, you know. <laughs> Right, so he's like, "Hey, man, I still skate." Tyler and him both said, "Chill out," you know. So, my son broke his ankle eventually, so that took care of that. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, then triple flit or what? Flip, whatever. I'm like, "You broke your ankle? Oh, that sucks, man." <laughs> anymore. I know that's probably gonna come off really bad. Skeeter's gonna hate me now. But, well, I don't. I don't think many skaters are listening to our show. I'll just say that. Okay. Well, you know, no offense to anybody. It's just like, yeah. So Tucker and Dale, yeah, was. Uh, um, you know, I was in. In my scenes, where we shot them pretty quick. You know, I basically showed up, and uh, and we, I didn't screw up, so they were able to get through it pretty quick. Cool. Cool thing about when I went to meet for the job. I wasn't, we weren't given a lot of material. I knew it was the sheriff, and it was kind of written that he hated everybody. And I was like, I wasn't sure about that. So I asked the casting director, go, can you give me a note about the character? Any insight? And he goes like this. I was like, that? He goes, yeah. <laughs> so I went in there, and, you know, just like, just like my brain was hurting from thinking so much. Do you know what I mean? And I got in the gig. You know? I was like, you mean to tell me you can't? You know, like, it was awesome. That's one of the things that we have to do, you know? Actors have to audition for stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's really the job. The other part's fun. The audition part can be sometimes, you know. Here we go again. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, speaking of all this knowledge and, and that you have and, you know, you've been in so many movies, like you just said, Tucker and Dale, with all these people that were just starting out. I mean, you, you seem to kind of have a passion for teaching. And, you know, I know that you headed up the acting department of New Image College a while back. I mean, do you like teaching your craft? Is that something you still do some? I now? still do that. I still had the program at New Image College in Vancouver. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, we, uh, we have an incredible, it's a conservatory program. Um, we make films, we do theater, uh, and I love it because my teachers were, they had such impact on my life and I have a lot of knowledge about acting and I have a lot of passion for it. And I love young actors. I love, I love people. It's a kind of a weird thing to want to do. Um, but you know, if you're, you're in it for the right reasons to tell a story and kind of like experience something like hanging off the edge of a cliff one hand you know and and get through it uh it's pretty great and so yeah I, I still had the program and i'm actually directing a play right now as well called the lady of 121st street it's a pretty great show and uh and yeah i'm always doing uh, this has kind of been my whole life you know i i i really 
and one of those people that I don't know what else I would have done. So it's been a good thing for me. And, um, and you know, it's, it has its high roads and its low roads, just like anything. You oh, know, yeah. but, but, you know, if you find something you love to do, you're, you're lucky. So, um, and for me, like, you know, I was, I was like, uh, it's a, been a chance for me to, like, foster and mentor younger actors and also share some of the ins and outs of things I've learned and things to do and things not to do. And we're really successful, you know, the school that I had has, um, some incredible young actors out there uh, that um, are doing great things on their own. Uh, one of them just booked uh, the new Peter Pan. She's worked with Jude Law. She just graduated. And uh, another gal we have, uh, Mary Galloway. She won the Kevin Spacey Artist of Choice. She's writing for television. She's also created her own web series. She acts in movies and television. And she only went to, to our school for for acting, but we kind of share how to make thing, things for yourself because it empowers you. I find the hardest part of being an actor is like having your hat in your hand all the time, going, God, I'd really like to work in your movie or having to audition. So we, we teach people how to create their own work and take some charge and realize and demystify it that way that it's just a job. Bill used to say, we're like plumbers. He said, you know, just go in and fix the pipes. He said, you want to be a good plumber, you don't want to go in there and say, you know, the girls, and you ask, you ask the plumber for the screwdriver and they give you a wrench. So he said, you better know what you're doing. But he said, we're just, we're just like parts of the clock. Or we are, you know, we're just fixing the pipes. Or just doing what's needed, right? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys talk to a lot of actors? Oh yeah, yeah. We've uh, we've had. I mean, everybody from Robert England's been on the show. We've had you know Kane Hodder and John Kassir. Um, uh, we've we've had a pretty good bit, about twenty twenty five actors, I think, uh, on the show. Lynn J, Heather Langenkamp. Yeah, we've had a lot of big names on. That's cool. Robert Englund's cool. I met him when we were at New World Pictures. He came in, when I was working there with all those guys. He came there and did a little movie there. He's a great guy. He hit oh, Pedro yeah. with that Freddy Krueger. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, that's, yeah. Like the, that's like the Pedro. That's like Bruce Campbell. Right. right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. With Evil Dead, yeah. Evil Dead, you just like, bam, hit it. That's yeah, and no, one, and no one can replace Robert either because he just set the bar so high. I feel bad yeah. for anybody who gets another Freddy Krueger role because they're just going to be like, well, he's not Robert, so. Yeah, you're kind of screwed if you take their role in the future. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, Philip, uh, we really appreciate your time, man. Is there anything else that you'd like to promote or uh, share with our audience that you have coming down? I do uh, have a film. I got a film coming out called Cosmic Dawn, and I did it with this girl named Camille Rowe. She's got a pretty big uh, horror film she just did in London coming out. And Emmanuel Shariki from Entourage and um it is a it's a cult film kind of it's about a cult uh people who've been abducted by you know up there and the whole film looks like what they're saying is kind of crazy but at the end of the movie you discover everything they've been saying has been true 
and it's a really beautiful film. I've seen it, and they are just getting right with COVID and everything. No one knows anything about anything right now. How to do they hold the release of the movie or what what happens with that? But it's such a really great film, and I know you guys would enjoy it because it's got some crazy shit in it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Hey, we'll make sure we share your Instagram too if anybody wants to follow you. Uh, hey, we really appreciate your time, Philip. Uh, this was a fun interview and uh, a lot of cool stories, man. I would have never heard. So I really appreciate your time, man. My pleasure. And thank you for having me. And uh, I hope you guys get to go out in the sun soon. Don't get eaten by any gators. Hey, do you guys really have gators walking across the street down there? And stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Sometimes, yeah, if you're in the right cities or towns, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and big-ass snakes. Oh yes, and water moccasins and everything. Oh yeah. shit! Wow, <laughs> wow, that's crazy. There's you so much. To them, right? Man, there's so much, uh, like yeah. illegal exotic trading in Miami area, and then they just get they get into the state and they come up north. It's crazy. Absolutely. The snakes and stuff. Jeez. Oh yeah, we got iguanas and everything now. That's crazy. <laughs> I went swimming in the river in Louisiana. That was a bad idea. I didn't know. I just thought I was like a river swimming it. So I'm swimming in this river, and this Louisiana guy goes, Hey, man, what are you doing? I go, What? He goes, What are you doing in the river? I go, Why? He goes, What? He goes, There's water moccasins. Yeah. I was like, what are, What's the water moccasin? <laughs> He goes, it's a snake. I was like, holy shit. And I tried to get out of that river. It was all shale with silt on it. Oh, and yeah. It was, yeah. Oh, buddy. I thought it was done. I thought a water moccasin was going to get me. That's the thing about water moccasins. Most snakes will run from you because they're scared. Those jokers will chase you. They don't play around. <laughs> yeah, they're very uh, aggressive. Have you ever seen one or like oh, chased yeah. her? All the time. Yeah. We go out on the river all the time. They're always hanging from trees or everywhere. Oh man. Yeah. If we ever seen if we ever seen while we're fishing, we just beat them with a paddle or shoot them with a pistol. <laughs> you just gotta get rid of them. Damn straight. Use them for bait. Maybe you wouldn't catch many fish. I like this art in the background. What is that behind you? Uh, behind yeah. me. Yeah. That's this we both have some. Yeah, this, it's actually our uh, our logo and um, oh, know, that's great. Kind of caricatures of, of us, you know, from oh, the show awesome. that we had made. So yeah, that's awesome. And what's it behind you? That's our well, our, like our it's kind of like our logo for our podcast, our Facebook. It's like our display picture, our Avi. Basically, our brand. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, guys. Man, that's awesome. Well, that was great. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Let me know if there's anything else. And I uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.